Welcome to the Refuge Weekly Podcast. We are a church in and for the City of Orange in Southern California. The heart of Refuge OC is to introduce and reintroduce people to a clearer vision of God. To learn more about us and how you can get involved, please visit us at refugeoc.com. And now, here is our latest message. Ah, yes, I love youth ministry events. I began my ministry like 20 years ago doing youth ministry events just like that weekend. So our students are gathering with churches all around Southern California just like ours, and they get to band together for one weekend and have an amazing time. So if you have students in that category, find more information out about it, and I hope they can make it happen. All right, a couple of things I want to tell you about before I jump into the scriptures. So if you have a Bible and you have a phone, you can jump into Mark chapter 9 is where we're heading. But before we go there, a couple of things I want to tell you about is this week, we have put it in your hands for a number of weeks, but next week is our camping weekend. and We have almost 60 people going up the coast to camp with us. Because of that, if we were to take 60 people from refuge and take them somewhere else, very limited people left. So we are taking this Sunday off next Sunday. There will not be anything happening in person here, just so everyone's clear on that. We will be posting an online devotional so that you are able to have some kind of spiritual encounter with our refuge team. We'll be posting that live to make sure that you have that. Uh, but just so you're aware, next Sunday, we are not having church here in this building location like we typically would, but we will see you that very following Sunday for the first Sunday of October. Can you believe it? It's already October. Next is actually today, right after today's service, we are going to be doing a quick turnaround and getting this sanctuary ready to host a funeral. If you know the Jelinek family, who've been longtime members of Refuge, uh, Kyle's dad passed away a number of weeks ago, and we're going to host the service right at 1230. So I say that to you, not to kick you out, but to actually say, hey, if you want to grab a quick bite and you are interested in still coming back and supporting the Jelinek family, that will happen at 1230 today, right here in this this building. So with that, I want you to turn to the book of Mark in chapter 9. When we follow what's called the lectionary, and you probably have heard me say that from time to time, or even Pastor Nikki or other people who have spoken from our stage, we are jumping into a stream where we connect with Christians all around the world that will look at the same exact passages of Scripture every week. So there are thousands of churches all around the world who will be reading from Mark chapter 9 today. And I love that camaraderie, that sense of solidarity that we have with our brothers and sisters all around the world who are reading the same exact thing. So every single week, there's an Old Testament passage, there's a New Testament passage, there's a psalm reading, and then there's a gospel reading. And the gospel reading has typically been the one that a lot of churches will focus on because it's the one about Jesus' life. There are churches out there that say, we're only gonna preach from the gospel reading. If you know me, I like to see what else is happening within scripture, but most of the passages for each week in the lectionary calendar are pointing towards a similar theme. And today, we wanna to jump into the book of Mark. This is actually Mark's account of the life of Jesus. And Mark is a bit of a historian, and scholars around the world say Mark gets it done quicker than anybody else. He has 16 chapters. You can read this passage of scripture, this one book of the Bible, in less than an hour. So I highly encourage you. It's awkward sometimes to open it up in, in a church setting and only read eight verses like we're going to do today. So we parachute in. We see the, the surrounding area of what is happening and try to make sense of what is God speaking to us today in this context. And so Mark chapter 9, and we're going to begin in verse 30. And it says, 
They left that place real quick. What place did they leave? That's what I'm always wondering. And so sometimes it causes us to read back, where is it that they were? Well, they were just healing some demon-possessed people, which sounds like a really cool story. So if you want some fun later today, read the earlier verses of chapter 9. They just left that place where Jesus had healed, and they passed through Galilee, which is the northern region of the Israelite people at that time. This is the, the region of Palestine, and Galilee was in the north. There's a place called the Sea of Galilee. Perhaps you've heard of it. And it's way smaller than the Great Lakes. I promise you that. So I mentioned to you that I was in Chicago this week, and it wasn't just like a, a frilly trip of fun where I could go and hang out in the Windy City, which, by the way, is actually, they say not too windy, but it was for the windy politicians who always spoke hot air, which I was like, that's a fun fact. No one ever told me that in childhood. Look at the Windy City today. It must be breezy. No, it's actually just all a bunch of hot air. So I'm in Chicago this week, and I was actually in the city proper. I was 30 minutes to the west, and I have jumped into a program to earn my doctorate in New Testament context. So I get to study with some premier scholars that are descending twice a year. We get to meet as a class one week in the, in the summertime-ish. September kind of begins the fall, and then one week in the spring. And so that will be my pattern for the next couple of years as I engage the New Testament. And I'm telling you, this week, my mind is bursting. Like that little emoji where your mind is blown, like that was my week this week. It was class all day, and then I would go back with a couple of friends of mine that we, we rented an Airbnb together, and literally we turned our Airbnb into a dormitory. We were just living it up. We were ordering pizza. We were, we were like drinking soda like you shouldn't at our age, okay? We were doing things that you're not supposed to do, but we were like, yeah, we're 19 again. What up? So we had to like go to class all day, and it was all related to the book, the early books of um, Christianity with the Gospels, specifically our focus, as well as the Jewish history. Because we understand the life of Jesus, and we understand that he's a Jew, but we also understand there's years of history, and we took just kind of a, a chance at hitting different topics that are really important to the life of who Jesus is. So again, my mind is on fire right now, and I'm tempted to just dump it all to you, but we'll, we'll take over the next couple of years and we'll do that. So it'll be fun. All right, so he's in the region of Galilee, in the north, with his disciples, after he's healing some demon-possessed people. Jesus did not want anyone to know where they were because... He was teaching his disciples. And he said to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men. They will kill him. And after three days, he will rise. But they did not understand what he meant, and they were afraid to ask him about it. Which sounds like my house sometimes. When I say something, and my kids look at me blank, and they are not listening. And I feel like the disciples are in that moment. Jesus is asking them a question, or telling them something about the Son of Man. By the way, when Jesus says something like the Son of Man, that is speaking about the actions of God. This is a throwaway phrase from the Old Testament from the book of Daniel. Just that, that one's for free right there. You can... Take that home with you today. So when he says son of man, he is talking about the actions of who God is. And so he's giving them this teaser, if you will. The son of man's going to die, and in three days he will rise again. And the disciples weren't listening. Or perhaps they were listening, and they're like, what 
is he talking about? They might be saying to one another, hey, we signed up to follow this Jesus guy because we liked what he said. We liked him against all these other rabbis out there. And we feel like he's putting this movement together, but we don't always understand when he goes into crazy talk. And sometimes right now, Jesus is talking crazy talk, like something's gonna happen. Some guy, the son of man's gonna die, and then in three days, he's gonna rise again. Again, they didn't understand it. Verse 33 is where I think the story gets really good. They came to Capernaum, which again is up there in the region of Galilee by the Sea of Galilee. When he was in the house, he asked them, what were you arguing about on the road? I guarantee you, if they were doing something in the house and Jesus asked that question, this is the moment where the camera would have panned in on the faces of every disciple and they would have been starstruck like, oh shoot, he knows. If they were putting the silverware away, they would have dropped it. If they had a cup in their hand, it would have crashed. This is the moment of tension for Jesus when he asked them outright, well, what were you arguing about? And I bet, I bet it was that moment, much like a house. I don't know if you've been around kids and parents sometimes, and, and kids are so surprised when parents actually know what's going on. It's so great. And Jesus says, what were you arguing about? And they were caught, almost like caught red-handed because they were embarrassed. And as the story continues, we understand why. Uh, but they kept quiet, we're told in verse 34, because on the way, they had argued about who was the greatest. Who amongst all the disciples would have been the greatest? That is what they were squabbling over. But if you put it in perspective, we're at the chapter break here in the whole book of Mark, where it's almost over the halfway point. It is over the halfway point. Mark only gets 16 chapters. We're in chapter 9. It's heading to the place where we're heading to the cross for Jesus. We know this. It's like we know that the Titanic's going to sink. We understand. We know that Jesus is going to die. That's how we know the story is happening. We're reading it a couple thousand years later. But the disciples, when this story is happening, didn't know that. And they were arguing, this guy's getting good. He's healing demon-possessed people. But who does he like more? And everyone's like, ah, everyone says Peter, but whatever about Peter or James or John or... I mean, why not mention people like Bartholomew? Like, that guy's got a great name. Why don't we talk about him more often, right? But you put people together sometimes when they're around power, and we always wonder how close we can get to it so that we can have some of it. And it's not just a disciple thing in the New Testament. It's an us thing. We do this all the time. We wonder, does God love me more than everybody else? Does God love me the most? They're squabbling. Jesus catches up with it. So they're arguing, and Jesus knows about it. Verse 35, the story continues. Sitting down, Jesus called the 12 together and said, Anyone who wants to be first must be the very last and the servant of all. So he took a little child whom he placed among them and taking the child in his arms, and he said to them, Whoever welcomes one of these little children in my name welcomes me. And whoever welcomes me does not welcome me, but the one who sent me. And for years, we have made this verse about being kind to children, which you should be. But in this world, I promise you, there was no sense of kindness towards children. Children were not supposed to be seen or heard in any public setting. They were not thought of as having any value to society until they were older. So we have 
rules in effect in our society right now for the protection of children for good measure. But that was not the case back then. And yes, Jesus is calling a child, but he's reminding the disciples, sometimes you shoo the child or the children away because you don't think they're worth it to what I have to say in this moment. But you must allow them to come close. And we love this aspect about Jesus. But then he says that thing just before the children shows up. The child shows up and he says, if you want to be the greatest, you've got to serve. If you want to, if you want to be first in line, you've actually got to sacrifice. This is the image of who Jesus is talking about when it's a prototype of what you should be. So if you want to be the first in line, you actually should be the last in line, which is a nice hallmark kind of a card moment because it sounds pretty, but it's much harder than we think. For Mark, who's writing this, it didn't dawn on me until this week when I was looking at this passage. For Mark, he's writing a historical account, but it's a historical account after the cross. Get what I'm saying? Real quick, is if the storyline for Jesus is happening with his disciples, he's called them, he's done these things, he's miraculously healed people, he's set people free from demon possession, and then he goes to the cross, and then he continues to get out of the grave, and everyone wants to tell the story, which is why Mark even wants to write it down for everyone. And Mark is remembering this. He's remembering these moments with Jesus as he writes this historical account. But for Mark, he's looking at it through the lens of the cross. The cross is everything for him because you cannot look at the actions of Jesus without seeing the cross in action. So when Jesus says things, you've got to be a servant, you've got to sacrifice, he's not just having a nice thought in mind, he's actually pointing to what we all would see later in Jesus' life when he goes to the cross. For the person who wants to experience the kingdom at its best, you experience the cross, which is hard for all of us because we want our lives to be fine and dandy and we want God to bless us at every turn. And sometimes God is saying, this world will have troubles. Apparently Jesus even said that. And he's saying, in the midst of the world that has troubles, I want you to understand that the way of the kingdom is not the way of the world. The world will tell you, get ahead at all costs, do whatever it takes to push someone down so you can get ahead and further. But I'm showing you a way of sacrifice and service that completely turns the world upside down. And it happens at the cross. This cross, which is the image for Christians all around the world to this day. And sometimes it's awkward to think that an image of sacrifice or execution would be something that we would put on, on jewelry. And when I was walking along the side of the Great Lake, right there outside of Chicago. I was with a friend who was wearing a cross. And I, I thought of it this week as I know where we were heading in this passage that we're quick to wear. And for some of us, it's this marker moment of I don't want to ever forget the sacrifice that God had, has done. But I also want to remember that God is calling me not to just remember what God did, but he's calling me to sacrifice as well. That when I call myself this Christian, if I am a follower of Jesus, I am being asked to step into the kingdom reality just as much as Jesus was. So when Jesus leads his disciples along the way through Galilee, gets to Capernaum, into the house, what are you arguing about? And he knows that they're arguing about who's the best, which is an argument that we all have, whether we have it with others or we have it in our mind. And Jesus is pointing out yet another way to go through life 
that our way through life is actually through the cross. That if we would show the world what sacrifice looks like, they would get a better sense of who he is, what he's all about, and what the kingdom is here for. So what does sacrifice look like? And this is hard because I can give you like top five things to do this week in sacrifice, but it might just be my list. Your list might be different. And I wonder where it is that you're pushed. And here is probably the litmus test for me and for you. When we are tempted to go over the edge into saying it's all about me or my comfort or my life, that's where we're choosing us versus God. And you might be saying, well, I, I, that hasn't happened this week. I, I'm, I promise. I did. I'm, I'm not here to like grade you. I promise you. You don't have to hold up your list of what you did this week to get God off your back. But I guarantee you, all of us at times have chosen ourselves over the kingdom because we're really good at that. And the world again will tell us, that's okay. You're supposed to. It's all about you. You, 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 you. And Jesus yet again is pointing out, oh no, the way of the kingdom If you want to experience the kingdom that I have set up, this kingdom where justice reigns, where righteousness gets it, where ethics abound, where love is there all the time, then it's when we sacrifice and we serve. So I don't even want to put a finger on it and tell you what you're supposed to do because you'll just take a list out of this room and say, I got to do that this week. But my my hope is that you allow the spirit to lead you this week in places where you need to sacrifice where perhaps you're being challenged and the challenge is, is it my way or the kingdom way? And I promise you, oh, I promise you, I'm in this boat with you. There's not a week that goes by where it's not my choice as well. Just because I'm this pastor doesn't mean I get it right all the time. There's times where I choose my agenda versus God's and God's saying, what were you arguing about this week? And I feel embarrassed because I chose me. Sometimes it's gonna be people in your life that challenge you. It's gonna be that neighbor that rubs you the wrong way. It's gonna be that coworker that says that thing and you wanna just lash out. And God's saying, show them a different way. Show them a better way. Show them how this kingdom really works when we show love and righteousness and justice wherever we go. What a world that would be. Could you imagine how that would look? So when I open up these words in this, these scriptures, I'm amazed over and over again at how God works. I'm amazed at how he calls us into his kingdom as active participants in this thing. There have been centuries of people believing they could just sacrifice the right thing and get God off their back. And God is saying, sacrifice the right thing so you can be in relationship with me and see my kingdom come. And we all know what the kingdom's like. We have tasted it. We have felt it. We know what it's like when people forgive and they're not supposed to. When we say the right thing, even though it's not what was the first thing on our mind. When we provide grace, when we sense we probably could have chosen a different way. When we show the king for who he is and allow this world to be changed. So I want to pray blessing over you. I'm going to invite Briley and um, is it just going to be you? We'll have this quick conversation right now. I apologize. You should ask you this before. We're going to sing one song in finality today. And my prayer for each of us as we leave this place 
May we be struck with the kingdom and our opportunity to show it off this week. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the opportunity we have to gather. May we never take these gatherings for granted. There are brothers and sisters of ours who meet in private and in secret and can't even get together this week because of the countries they live in. I pray for those who are hurting. Pray for those who this week has dealt them some blows emotionally, perhaps even physically. I pray for those who are just feeling as if it's always going to be this way. But just as your son did that day with the disciples where he turned their expectations upside down and showed them a better way, may each of us have this opportunity to make your kingdom known this week in the things that we say, in the words that we use, and the actions that we do. May we make you known to our friends, to our family, to strangers, to the person in line in front of us. Wherever it may be, God, may we showcase your kingdom this week. Because your kingdom is more beautiful than even the world can, can predict. But may we taste it and see it again afresh this week. And it's in your holy name we pray. Amen. Hey, would you stand? Let's worship one final time as Briley leads us. Praise God from who all blessings flow. Praise Him, all creatures here below. Praise Him above ye heavenly hosts. Praise Father, Son. doesn't get better than that. You have probably noticed that we are ending a little early and it's with intention. But we, that doesn't mean we're kicking you out. Um, sometimes gathering together means we get to connect with one another and check in on life. We want to provide that space even in those next few minutes. But I also want to give our team some time as we begin to transition and get ready for a funeral. So please, you are not being pressed out, but actually invited to just continue to linger, to, to talk with one another. 
I believe our kids and our youth will be finishing in the next few minutes, so we're not going to rush them along either. But enjoy one another's company as we get to be here in this space, reflecting on the goodness of God and the kingdom he's calling us into. And uh, thank you for giving space to our, our team as we get ready for this funeral. But peace and blessings upon you. For those who are camping this next weekend, we'll, we'll be in touch with more information. If you're not able to be with us, if you're up for a Saturday drive and you want to come join us on the coast, we would even love to have you for Saturday only. But just a reminder, next Sunday we are not gathering here and we will see you for that first Sunday in October. It's going to be a great week. Peace and blessings upon you. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us this week. We believe in community and would love to connect with you. If you have any questions or would like to speak to a pastor, feel free to reach out to us on Instagram at refugechurchoc. We hope to see you again soon.